episode 42. People make a real big deal about that stuff. When you listen to podcasts, they're like, hey, it's episode... Like, no one else really cares. Like, yeah, for indexing purposes, but, like, you just... You're you're a subscriber and you see the next new episode or you're not. Yeah. Yeah. I think most podcasts have no need to index either really like you wouldn't listen to a podcast where like make sure you go back and listen to it. i suppose maybe if they had a specific guest on and they want to reference that one god's sake had a specific guest on and they want to reference that but you would just say like search in spotify the name of my podcast and then the person's name i think nowadays so i i tweeted today that fuzzy search is the eighth wonder of the world i fully stand by that can you explain fuzzy search fuzzy search is when you search for a word but it'll also search for variants of that word synonyms typos so that you can go in and just find whatever you need to is that what what was the feature is it is that i'm feeling lucky in google i'm feeling lucky just picks the first result ah right okay that makes sense unfortunately i'm jerky not I am dried beef. Beef or beef or is it beef or turkey? Can you get chicken jerky? Yeah, yeah, like alligator jerky. Someone got me once. Um, so I'm going to have to stop the call and change my frame rate. Oh dear, that'll have to do. <laughs> choice between: Do you want to see Yusuf in ultra HD, but looking like he's in a disco, or? Would you rather smooth Yusuf? But well, it's also affected yeah. my frame rate. Has so it? Both of us. Yeah, both of us are now in seven twenty p. That's okay. So, sorry, everyone. That's what That's we get. Right. Have you ever had L-theanine before? I have. I don't think directly. I think just in a blend with stuff have you ever had glycine yes before? i've got some here what do you think about glycine shown in studies to improve <laughs> sleep, but i think three grams per night <laughs> <laughs> so i the reason i'm asking is i took both of them last night for the first time and it's because of andrew huberman been hammering his podcast on walks recently it's very dense have you listened to any of it his podcast uh no actually it's on my list i've not listened to many i mean Um, like three hour episodes that some of which are just monologues of him talking about caffeine just research reviews meditation yeah um but he has like a sleep cocktail which is like magnesium glycine every third or fourth night theanine unless you have night terrors. Um, the compound that's in uh, chamomile tea. I, I, I can't remember the name of it. So that's an opiate. It's an opiate? Yeah. It's mild. Fantastic. But, um, Fantastic. <laughs> I see the rationale with the glycine every third day as well, because it seems to have that effect. Like it, it works right. and then it doesn't work. The the reason I'm raising it is, so last night I just had some theanine, some glycine and ZMA that I would normally have. 
And the dreams that I had are the strangest dreams <laughs> that I've ever had in my life. Wow. And you, you normally remember your dreams, don't you? You're quite a, you're quite a good dream recaller. Hit, hit and miss. Like I, just to give you a, it, the, the dreams were so far reaching and so strange that throughout the morning I was like, remember, I was, I would go to do something and I'd be like, oh shit. Yeah. Like I, I dreamt about that last night as well. One of them was I was, I was sitting with the lead singer of the, of Architects, which is a band I like, giving him a really hard time for his music, for his songs. And I really like his songs. And he was crying and I was like flicking between comforting him and criticizing him. And it, it was, it's really vivid. And I can remember the whole thing. I can remember he had eye, eye liner on um, and like makeup and. But because he was crying, know, was it, was it running down mm -hmm. his face? It was running, yeah. Poor guy. Poor guy. Yeah. No need for that level of savagery, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> but the took theanine and glycine before like 45 minutes before going to sleep. And by the time I went up to bed, I was just like, um, so you just, you just feel like so, um, tired. Oh, here we go. I can, I can feel it coming onto my, uh, Amazon basket now. Well, you've got some, you've got I've some got glycine. glycine. And, and magnesium salt. I, I've not tried theanine. That's been on my wish list. And it's been one of those things that like goes into my cart and then out of my cart again. So, so I thought, I actually them. thought about asking you about this before I bought them, but I thought probably all that'll happen is you'll say to me that there's something about them that worries you mm. and I'll not, I'll not try them and I'll not buy them, but like it, it's a, re it's a relatively trusted source. I would say like, I trust Andrew Huberman's view. Yeah, um, and I think in principle, if something's an essential mineral or, or vitamin or something that you that has an RDA associated with it and you need it, then like topping it up is probably okay. If it's something which produces a result like phosphatidylserine or theanine or something which like you add it into the system and it produces a some kind of result, mm -hmm. then there's always the risk that you end up borrowing from future Johnny, mm -hmm. which certainly like alcohol is the perfect example of that. So is caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause what, what alcohol does is it induces a large amount of, um, you remember Z12 from uh -huh. So Yeah. So al alcohol is very GABA ergic, <clears throat> but you pay for it on the other end. Mint. Mm. <laughs> It's a great, it, that is a great, um, I think it's Tim Ferriss has just the model of like, there's always a side effect for things. Like if something has an effect, there's always a side effect. You just can't always measure it. But I think people assume supplements like this, like don't, are oh, they're fine. They're safe. They don't have a side effect. But like, if you think about just alcohol as an example, or caffeine, like anything that you, that is, that you take regularly, like you're experiencing this, the side effects of these things, like it is a. I think there's this world where we, we want to just be able to take whatever we want and not, and have the, the benefit, but not the potential risks. Yeah. One, one way people try and weasel out of that is they go, oh, but it's, it's natural. I'm not taking theanine. I'm taking green tea extract, or I'm not taking, like I, I had someone legitimately, um, say on Twitter, I think, I, I think I wrote something like, um, if you're a smoker in 2022, then like, you've got an impressive level of like doing yeah. that, putting <laughs> yeah. your hands over your ears for anyone listening. Um, and someone responded being like, oh, but 
that's just because of the additives. And if you smoke organic tobacco, then you don't get any of these problems that, and it was like, as if that's the, the problem, but because, oh, it's natural, it somehow has this just perfect green light for any negative side effects. Well, like snake venom is natural, isn't it? Like yeah. being bitten by a poisonous spider is a natural thing to happen. Being mauled by a tiger, natural. <laughs> like none of them are good though, are they? Well, nature has a 100% death rate. So like we're guaranteed to die no matter how how naturally we live. So yeah. Give, give um, some theanine a try, man. It's a hell of a ride. Fine. So you're in for a fun night. You, next time I'm on the podcast, you'll see some white powder around my nose from the hospitals, <laughs> and I'll be falling asleep. <laughs> so, would you not recommend the thing that's the opioid, opiate? Might be fine. Okay. Like, uh, I don't know advice, what kind of dose is. Approval and... might be fine. <laughs> so it it also it depends on who you are as well. So, like, I used to live with a guy who had real addictive tendencies, and he pounded benzos. He went clean for a while and I used to buy lots of chamomile tea and I remember he would just plow through it. Like I, every time I went to go and get some, I'd be like, Oh, the box is empty. And when we ran out, he started getting really grouchy and he basically managed to like unconsciously find the one semi addictive substance in the house and Christ. nail it. So <laughs> I had no idea that chamomile tea had that property. It feels so PG, doesn't it? Like the most PG thing. Like it would be the tea that I made fun of somebody for buying. <laughs> yeah, it's God. It's one of those dangerous like, landscape we live in. It was the like the old mother's thing of like you know you you give your baby a drab of whiskey in the milk to send them off to sleep. It, it probably just emerged like that. The thing that does piss me off with all these sleep supplement stuff is how pedantic everybody gets about the type of magnesium. <laughs> have you noticed that yeah i definitely have people go absolutely wild for it don't they i know you're like surely surely that is not the thing that means that you sleep better like is it, is it that much of a tightrope where you're having like the, the the magnesium that like my protein bottle up and send to you and you're like what a twat <laughs> that sort of magnesium if you have magnesium three and eight, then that's the, you know, that's the magical stuff. But don't even bother with magnesium chloride because, oh, you're just a poser if you take that in it. Yeah. But at, at the same time, like I can remember you and me making fun of people on the T-Nation forums when it was like, take casein hydrolysate pre-workout, post-workout. And someone said they'd taken casein caseinate. And we were like, <laughs> and we were like, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there is more to it. I don't know. It just feels like everyone has a different opinion about the magnesium thing. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, like what the, the more I look into magnesium, the more I realize how global it is. Like it's, it's just involved in so many cellular processes that like, if you really want to hedge your bets, just get a blend, get like, like <laughs> there'll be so many companies that have magnesium blend. That's just got loads of them. You're like, fine. It's just got magnesium in it. Yeah. <laughs> All different shapes and colors and sizes. All the magnesiums. Final thing, final bit of small talk banter. Have you ever... Phase one of the podcast. <laughs> Compulsory. How to, how to be a human. Phase one, small talk. Have you ever put your 
food. You might have done this when you were cutting. Um, and just so everyone knows, I'm day three of a diet. I'm really hungry. I'm, re- I'm already really food focused and dreading it. But I, at the weekend, put in what I plan to eat on a daily basis into chronometer mm. to see the micronutrient content of what I was going to eat. Have you ever done that before? Long time ago. Yeah. So you've still got chronometer installed and you I just downloaded the free version of it to do this right. for a day. Yeah. Um, it's just incredibly hard to, to hit your micronutrient, like insanely difficult to hit yeah. your micronutrient targets in a day. It It is. I mean, just for, for reference. So we, we used to use chronometer. Now we've both, I believe, switched to macro factor, which is the, the better alternative to my fitness pal. You can get an extended trial with the code propane if you are interested, but it's generally just a really frictionless way to, because mm. my fitness pal, I think the main complaint most people had with it is that it was bloated and tried to be a social network and all that stuff. Whereas with this, you can, you can even just say 200 grams of steak and potatoes with uh, bechamel sauce, and it'll add the macros for you. It's got like an AI recognition thing. The other option while Johnny's searching for something. Is... I was just going to, I was just going to say it, it won't take me very long. Like my fitness pal have just updated their, is it going to work? It's got to cover oh. your face. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Technology. They just updated their UI. So like it's a, clearly a few other people have brought out, um, apps similar to this, obviously. Greg's brought out macro factor. My fitness pal have clearly tried to fight against that. And then, mm. but I think they now charge for barcode something. scanning. Is that so, what it is? So that's right. why, so the combination of macro factor being really an excellent user experience and being a big competitor and then my fitness pal shitting the bed and making people pay for the one thing that like, <laughs> that they come to the app for is going to just cause a mass migration. So, so I can see why my fitness pal are now panicking and trying to like mm. make it appealing again. Well, the thing that the main thing that macro factor does that my fitness pal doesn't is, um, it takes your weigh-ins and your calorie intake estimates your expenditure and then adjusts your diet for you. So that, that actually caused a ton of coaches panicking saying like, oh my God, I'm going to lose my online clients because people are just going to use macro factor. The trouble with that is, is that like the thing that macro factor misses is doesn't hold you accountable. Like if you don't log into macro factor, no, no one's going to do anything. No one cares. They're just going to bill you at the end of the month. Anyway, if you're worried about losing clients because there's an app that calculates what your macros should be, then you're probably not a very good coach. I think it's the adjusting that people think like that's what people pay a coach for is adjusting the macros. Yeah. But I think like if, if all you are is a, a human macro calculator, like it's game over anyway. How did we get to that? Chronometer. Micros. Chronometer, ma- macro, yeah. Ma- yeah, macro factor. Ma- macro factor, seriously, that's what I'm using at the minute. It is excellent. It I, Can can you fault it? No, it's very smooth. And it's got the UK database as well. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I always, I'm always in favor of apps that focus on as few key presses as possible to achieve the thing that you need to. <clears throat> Once apps start hiding things behind loads of menus and notifications and social network stuff, it it just becomes bloated. So, yeah, it's got my seal of approval. Doctor approves. But the thing that it's actually started doing, but it's not as well, is the mic- micronutrient 
stuff. So what Chronometer is very good for is you put in, like you plug in the sort of the whole food standard entries of what you eat in a day, and it will give you a a percentage of your RDA for all of the vitamin, vitamins and minerals um, that you're, you know, where you're deficient. And it, it gives you at least a steer of like, all right, now I might look to supplement there and there. And like, of, you'd expect the things, you know, omega-3, vitamin D, like the, the stuff you would typically expect to be deficient in from a, a diet, but even just trying to get your vitamins and minerals up to hundred percent with eating like 200, uh, um, like two and a half thousand calories of like fruit and vegetables across the day. I just couldn't believe how hard it was. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. difficult. Um, one thing that goes part of the way there, and it's something we recommend through the, through our fitness automations is a tool called eat this much. So you put in what foods you like, what your calorie targets are. And it says, ah, why don't you have two handfuls of almonds, this many blocks of celery, 30 grams of oats, and this for your breakfast or something like that. Um, mm. so that's quite good for kind of generating a rotating meal plan without having to think about it. Also very good to give to your clients, um, uh, because as a coach, you should be bringing the human element to your coaching and leaving all the things like meal planning generators to the computers. What do you think about, um, I feel like I always do this. Like we have an intended topic and I just like ask you shit and it's <laughs> 20 minutes in and we don't, we don't, it's, I think it's all semi-relevant. What do you think from a medical view of like giving clients meal plans? Like someone comes to a coach and says, I want to lose weight. Mm. And the coach almost uses eat this much or something like that and gives them a specific meal plan. From a regulatory perspective, I don't think it's allowed. I'm not sure if it's illegal, but it's certainly um, like giving meal plans is a protected thing for dietitians to do. Um, it's generally, the, the, I mean, the reason we do it is actually much simpler. It's not a regulatory reason. The, the, the reason we avoid giving meal plans to clients is just that it's teaching it's it's not teaching a man how to fish it's just giving them the fish and saying well there you go and and often people will take meal plans so literally that mm. two weeks in they're like oh my god like my supermarket's out of eggs now because i've bought them all or i'm so sick of sweet potato like can i have something else and you're like well yeah like if you yeah. want to yeah so, because adherence is the key thing at the end of the day. But I just, I can remember you saying something. We had a conversation years ago about, I think it was grapefruit maybe, or sweet potato, something and like how it interacted with heart medication. Yeah, grapefruit. Right. Like, what the fuck? So, like, <laughs> which can't, you know, if, if you have enough grapefruit or if you have enough heart medication, it could be fatal. So that Jesus. this is partly why it's a protected thing because to say you need to eat specifically this food mm -hmm. is veering into risky territory. Yeah. And Whereas then also, someone... you've got, you know, eating disorders and all that kind of stuff to navigate to. But giving someone macronutrient calorie targets less is, you know, someone's going to, they're going to eat anyway across the day. Like it's yeah. thing we know for sure. So steering them on how much they should eat. Of whatever they want. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I look forward to your theanine stories. Yeah, me too. Glad <laughs> we put that one to bed. <laughs> nice. Nice. So 
we wanted to answer the question today of should you still maintain some one-to-one clients if you're transitioning online? So should you still have some offline people that you enjoy working with while you're making the switch? Or is it a better idea to just go exclusively online? And an extension of that, I think, is that should should it be a goal to go exclusively online? Like, is is that not not as in is it a good idea to retain some for safety reasons or stability reasons or whatever? Should should you be trying to move fully online? I think that this conversation came from when we started because obviously we operate fully online. Like everything we do is is completely an online offering. We don't work in a gym. We assume that would be what everybody wanted to do, but actually it is unbelievable how many people have the goal of basically just removing the financial pressures of a face-to-face business with an online program. So you have like the, the way I always describe it is you have the clients you would work with. If you won the lottery, there's people you would work with for free because you just enjoy working with them. And then there's the people where their name pops up on the calendar on a 10 a.m. on a Monday morning and you're like, oh, <sighs> like they pay late. They're always, they always cancel last minute. Sometimes they don't show up at all. Every week, it's just like a story about why they overrate over the weekend and they didn't. They aren't following you. You know that sort of person who like is just there to tick a box in their mind and they don't really want to be there. Removing those clients and retaining just the people you want to work with while increasing your income is a, is is actually what that's what most PTs we speak to want an online program to do. So, is that a good idea? Is it not a good idea? How do you do that? Yeah, that's that's a good framing because it's not for us to tell you what you should want out of how you want your week to look like or who you want, who you want to work with. But having an online offer is something that buys you options. And then it's up to you. If you, if you want to work with all your, your nightmare clients, then you're very welcome to, but you, you don't need to financially. And that's Mm. when it really opens up this, this cool space where you can say, do you know what? there's three of my offline clients that I really love working with and it keeps my foot on the ground. It helps me to, to stay sharp with my skills and they're a pleasure to work with. So I'm going to keep them. I'm going to sack off everybody else and I'm going to build the online offer. And usually the people that we work with, in fact, I can't think of any examples to the contrary, um, make the majority of their online income uh, make the majority of their income from their online offer. Once they've got an established hybrid, model working. So mm. the offline stuff is not really done for money. It's not, it's not a profit driver. It's just for passion and to get you out of the house. And that sounds, I, I don't mean to sound glib with that or like I'm, uh, like I'm making light of it because we, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about the mental health impact of being an online coach and you are just sat at your desk in your house or at a cafe with a laptop every day. And you're not getting many steps in and you're not speaking to many people in person. So that's definitely something that if you know that doing that for months on end would drive you crazy, then you you might want to have some element of face-to-face interaction built into your week. Mm. Yeah. And it's, um, it, it's more as well that it, it just can be done. Like it's not, you don't need, I think people think online coaching I've got to move to Thailand or Bali or uh, go live in Australia and like suddenly live this fully remote nomadic lifestyle. When actually, if you just stopped working evenings, for example, or didn't work a weekend anymore and had more of a social setup to your calendar, but continue to work in the fitness industry, 
for a lot of people, that's actually a massive thing. It's a massive contrast. I think like the, the problem that we see is in general in the fitness industry is that PT, like the really qualified PTs often don't stay in the industry as long as they could because they feel either underpaid for what they do because you're constrained by like, well, how many hours can I work or how much can I charge for one hour of my time? And they feel burnt out by what the average week looks like for them. Like there's only, you, you start having a family, you start just getting a bit older and not having the same drive for these things anymore. And suddenly waking up at like 5, 5 a.m. every day, especially when like right now as we record this, like it's freezing mm. in the UK. Like you have to wake up at 5 a.m. and go to a gym in a cold gym and, and train someone you don't really want to work with just to earn enough income to continue, continue working in the fitness industry. There's only so long you can really do that for, I think, before you think actually I'm going to go work in recruitment or I'm going to go set up a restaurant or, you know, I'm going to do something else that doesn't require this like early morning life. Um, so I think that's really where the online stuff, that's like the, not speaking about the Rolexes, not speaking about the Lamborghinis, not speaking about like having brunch in Dubai with all your, all your mates, like the, the, the side of online PT, that's like the really valuable bit is just the flexibility of the options that it can create. Yeah, that's it. You, you're buying the option. You've got the, 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 there is the seesaw effect when you're first getting into this. So it's certainly from a safety perspective, it's, it's better, you know, we, we're always saying, don't just burn all your bridges and quit your job before you've actually made any online income, you know, do it, do it gradually. You don't, you don't need to be Tony Robbins about it. Like <laughs> you can just start with filling up your one-to-one rotor first, get your first five or 10 one-to-one online clients for 150, 200 pound a month each. There's two grand a month coming in from online. You don't want to keep adding to your one-to-one rotor because then it just becomes, you know, linearly time for money. That's the mistake we made years ago and really regretted it. But once you've got that basic income coming in, then you can start to pull back on your offline hours and say, okay, I can safely, like I've gained a, a 200 pound a month online client, I can step back my hours by 200 pound a month offline. And you can, and if, if you're working in a gym where it's flexible enough to do that, you can gradually start to seesaw it away. Then you're freeing up some time during your week that allows you to put the prepping business method into place and build your recurring group offer of the, of the mid ticket stuff. The reason that it needs a bit of time is because it's front loaded. You're building systems that then do the automated delivery for you. So the first eight to 12 weeks of building that is upfront work. Once you've got it in place, you really never have to touch it again. Then you can start pulling the lever on your marketing engine, get clients in the door, get more leads, and then start to scale your income to four, five, six K a month pretty easily. The the main reason we teach the, the method with like ads, the 14 day sequence, and lots of recurring clients rather than a few kind of, well, I mean, there's lots of reasons, but the, the sort of the benefits of that is it creates what you probably either have or crave now, which is this like certainty over things or safety. So next month I'm due to do this many PT sessions. So my income should be X, et cetera. And it, some people worry that online doesn't have that as much. And certainly if you're trying to run your business by posting on social media and hoping that it, a, a post does well, messaging a certain number of people and hoping you get a certain number of calls and then hoping a certain number of calls converts into a client. Otherwise you make no money that month. That it has none of the, the certainty that probably what you do at the minute does have. 
And so I think when you are transitioning into online, it's very important to think if at some point I'm going to like take the structure away from my face-to-face business so that I'm relying financially on the online stuff. Yes, it's nice to have a month where I make eight grand or whatever, but if I'm not confident that that's going to recur, actually that's just moving into this sort of world of anxiety and insanity, which isn't fun. It's another reason why we don't recommend high ticket coaching because you've got to resell someone onto your 12 week, three, 4,000 pound package every 12 weeks, rather than having a a low end recurring thing that just ticks away. Mm. So at each point, when it rains, it pours, you know, we've all had times where you're getting no new signups for two months in a row or five people cancel in a row in, in a cluster. And if you've only got five clients because they're all whales, then that could be a period of time where you've got no income coming in at all or, and then no sales to follow it up. Whereas if, if you've got 30 or 40 and they're all paying a moderate amount, you you could handle five cancellations in a row and still be okay. There's also the fact that it's, it's just a lot more of a, um, like to hit statistical significance with 10 people and the fragility of one or two or three people cancelling has much more of a, a material impact on your monthly take-home income. It's it's not really worth the risk. It's not something that you can then confidently say, right, I'm going to quit the day job because I, I know what I'm going to be earning in three months time, four months time. Yeah. Or like to, to look at your schedule and say, right, today, this week I'm cancelling all my sessions on a Saturday because my online business is at X. You feel great about that in December, but in January or, or in February, when the three of your three of your five online clients cancel because of the model that you've been using, that again you, you panic, you start going backwards, and I think a lot of people live in this like no man's land of online coaching where it's always doing a bit but never enough to really justify the full leap. Um, and so some of that is, as you just described, it's having like being hedged in your pricing and how you coach your clients, but also having a a system that you can you can scale the input and see an increase in the output so like i'm posting on instagram three days three day, three times a day five days a week and i get a client from that if you can't double that and get two clients that's not really something you can rely on because there's an ele- clearly an element of randomness there again one of the reasons we teach ads is if you can spend 500 pounds and get three four five clients and that's consistent and you spend twice as much it just reaches twice as many people. You just get twice as many leads. You get twice as many sales. And there are slight variations in that, obviously, over time. It's not this money printing machine. But zoom out over a quarter, over six months, over a year, and those relationships do hold. So you need to have some method of influencing, okay, my marketing and sales, like to get a customer, I need to do this, this, and this. And I have all this data to back up that that happens repeatedly so that I can just rely on having these three face-to-face clients because I have some certainty over my, my, my online stuff. So there's the answer really. Should you still keep some offline one-to-one clients? Basically, if you want to, you're very Mm. welcome to, you won't need to financially once you have a mid-ticket recurring model up and running. And it's just down to, is this something that you're doing for your maintenance of your skills, your CPD, and your mental health. Yeah, I think it's a, 
it's an extremely common goal. Um, and I think there's a lot of benefits to it. Um, as long as you don't like the face-to-face -face stuff doesn't become a, a crutch. I think some, some the, the stuff that some of our clients raise with us is like, they reach this level where they're paying rent for the gym. So you're paying like 500 quid a month rent and your one-to-one -one clients start to encroach on this fact that like on a monthly basis, you're not, you're kind of netting this number that doesn't really make sense. Um, it, at that point, you know, you might actually be better off either looking for an arrangement that doesn't involve that gym with those clients or getting rid of it entirely and looking for another way to sort of have an offline. Cause if you're netting like 200 quid a month to do way more hours than that of PT because you're having to pay 500 pounds of rent to the gym just to operate in it, it ends up not being worth it. So that's, the, that's the only thing to consider. But if you're not in that position, um, I think it's a pretty good goal to have. And it, as I say, it's all about this, like, what does my week look like? So if by launching an online program, you get your evenings back, your weekends back, you still work the clients you love and you increase your income, pretty good deal. Should clarify as well, because there might be some people thinking, well, do you guys still have one-to-one -one clients? We do have online one-to-one -one fitness clients um, that we enjoy working with. We've worked with for years that, you know, the people that we've luckily we're in a, a privileged enough position to choose who we want to work with and the, the guys who we are with from a fitness perspective well and the people who we work with in general we, we really love and enjoy working with um we don't have in-person clients because we just don't like seeing people in real life <laughs> we just live out of our laptops <clears throat> yeah i think and um, we we have like the, the the client that always comes to mind that T TJ, who's one of our clients, he runs a business called Rugby Muscle. Every time I see him on social media, I swear he's in a different country. Yeah. Like he hey, really... in the Dominican Republic today <laughs> on a beach with a drone. <laughs> <laughs> like he really, really leans into the, the nomadic thing. Um, I think, I think you and I probably fall somewhere in, in between, like I have no issues like just sort of managing my own schedule and, and being like behind my laptop for a lot of the day. Cause I feel like it feels productive and I quite enjoy that. Like, I think I would see having to go and coach someone in a gym for three hours on a Tuesday as, as a getting in the way of my, of my work. Yeah. Well, we're, we're just vampires though. I think, uh, yeah. the, the other thing, like, I, I'm sure you had a similar thing from, from working in accountancy, but after three years in hospital during COVID, I, I really, didn't want to see another person. <laughs> I was just like, I just want to sit at home and do my thing. And that's kind of the opposite of most people. Cause I guess lockdown forced people into their houses, but, um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, um, I think there's something that the, the, the most enjoyable thing I think about on online stuff versus face-to-face -face stuff of, of anything is the feeling that you are like cr creating this thing that exists when you're not there. Whereas, you know, working with, with someone, any, with anything, whether that's a, a doctor in a hospital or a, or a person training on a gym floor, like when you go home, that service, that thing ceases, mm -hmm. but you spend the day like producing videos or content, building ads that are running, writing emails, making automations, improving your product and your program. You shut your laptop, like all of that's still happening. It's all still running. It's so you're kind of building. Wheel. Yeah. 
And so I think it turns sitting at your laptop into this quite a rewarding experience in many ways. I think that there's a nail on the head there. I feel like when I open my laptop, I'm doing the digital equivalent of putting bricks on top of each other and building something. Yeah. Um, and that's immensely more satisfying for me because it carries its own momentum rather than mm -hmm. delivering a time for money service and then off and everything stops. Um, yeah. But, yeah. you know, that's when I'm not saying that's what you should want out of everything in your life. Not everything has to be super optimized. Uh, maybe you're much more extroverted than we are and you enjoy seeing people. Maybe you're not so much of a laptop goblin. Fine, you know, build build your life as you as you see fit. That's it. That's it. Like you have just booked we haven't spoken about this. Have you booked have you booked it yet, America? Or no? Yeah. You have. So like you get to at the drop of a hat be able you can go and you don't have to think like, oh shit, I need to cancel this session, this session, this client, this client, you, you have the, while you and I don't really lean into it very much, we have the flexibility to work from wherever we want on whatever hours we want and whatever schedule we want, which again is one of the justification, one of the benefits of being fully online. But it is just, it's like that, as you said at the very beginning, it's having the choice. It's like, if your online business is generating enough income to allow you to do that, you can, but most people listening, I expect, aren't in that position, which is, I guess, the, probably the reason why you're listening. In which case, you should get in touch with us. And we'll explain how to get to that position. If you send us an email using the subject line Propane Business Podcast to the email admin at propanefitness.com, we will queue jump you, which is a hell of an experience in and of itself. It's a hell of an experience getting the, the VIP treatment from Johnny himself. The red carpet from me, from me, myself. Lovely. Otherwise, enjoy the rest of the backlog of podcast episodes, particularly number 372. That's a really good one. Will this be going out near Christmas? Have we like not done a Christmas episode? Oh, how are we going to navigate that? Because <laughs> at the time of recording, it's pre-Christmas. But it's I think like a week time, away, it's 10 days away, isn't it? For mm, Christmas. But by the time this goes out, it might be just after. Oh dear. Merry Christmas, either Merry way, <laughs> whether it's future or past. It might be today, actually. Well, Christmas is Sunday? No. Oh, it is. Yeah. There we go. Ho, ho, ho. There we are. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs>